Hello, and welcome to this Solus Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We pray that God speaks to you today through this message. For more sermon content and information, visit solaschurch.com. James chapter 1, that's where we are this morning, and I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. Why don't we this morning draw our attention to our text, which is verses 19 down through 25. James 1, 19 through 25. It says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning for the gift of your word. And as we read here in this text, um, we just acknowledge to each other first, God, that we're here to be spoken to by you. We're not here to be entertained by a sermon. We don't need that. There's plenty of entertainment on the TV today. God, we're only here to hear from you. So would you give us the ability this morning to be swift to hear? Would you also give us hearts, God, that will receive what we hear? And as you speak to us and as we submit to your word, we ask for your transform, the transforming power of your spirit to lead us to be obedient, to do what you speak to us. God, this is your time, and it is my desire, God, that I would get out of the way. I pray, God, that you would just take the sermon preparation that I have and use it for your glory to speak to your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to preach this morning, I usually like to start with giving my sermon title, give you an idea of where we're going, or maybe you have no idea where this is going to take us, but that's okay, we'll get there nonetheless, but this morning I'd like to preach from the sermon title, Proper Posture, Proper Posture, everybody just starts sitting up all of a sudden, Proper Posture, how many of you grew up in a home where you were taught to have good posture, some of you, how about the homes where you were uh, anybody like in a home where you, it was like strictly enforced? Things like sit up, don't slouch, stand tall. Um, well, uh, if you're curious, good posture. What does it take to have good posture? Did you know this? It's first of all, it's chin parallel to the floor. So that's like this, okay? Uh, it's shoulders, not just shot back, but you got to roll them back. Can we try that together? Go ahead and roll your shoulders back. All right. It's a little uncomfortable, isn't it? Okay. That's why I can never have good posture. I'm like, I don't like this. Um, it's a neutral spine. So you're not trying to put all this stress on your spine, bending over backwards, literally. You're just, you want to relax your spine. Arms at your side with 
can't really do that, you're sitting, but with uh, elbows straight and even, your abdominal muscles brace, for those of you who are blessed to have those, um, they're braced, okay, <laughs> your hips are even, your knees are pointing straight ahead, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little bit bow-legged, my wife is loving enough to tell me sometimes, you kind of look like a peg when, when you walk, Andrew, so I got to really work on, okay. Tellers from all my years of the runway and modeling, it just messed up how I walk, you know. Um, and your body weight needs to be distributed, distributed evenly on both feet, like for the golfers. You know, you got to have that nice center of balance. Anyway, that's proper posture for you, in case you were wondering. You're welcome. Um, it turns out, as I did some research, that there are actually some incredible health benefits to proper posture. Did you know this? Grandma was right. Grandma Lorraine was right. It's my grandma. A um, couple of benefits to good posture. I'm not sure if you know this, but the first, I found this online on muscleandfitness.com. I don't condone that website. It's just where I found it. Um, the benefits of good posture first is a more confident appearance. So out the gate, you already look like you're going to seize the day. It's the carpe diem appearance, okay? You, you put your, your shoulders back. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, that guy, he's got somewhere to be. It's different than just kind of like, going to the store, okay? So the first benefit is your appearance. <laughs> uh, the second benefit is circulation with, um, or for breathing, breathing, so you actually breathe better, okay? Additionally, circulation and digestion, digest your food a little bit better, so after you eat those 1,000 chicken wings today, just stand up during the Super Bowl game and just good posture, and it'll digest nice as you're watching the game, all right? Uh, I like this one. It makes you look slimmer and younger, it doesn't make you slimmer and younger, but it makes you look slimmer and younger, and we could all use a little bit of that. All right. It's good for your muscles and your joints. If you have joint trouble, it could be you have posture problems. And lastly, of course, it's good for your spine. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. I'm just kidding. Obviously, right now you're wondering, what? Why, Andrew, what does this have to do with the book of James? Well, here in this section of scripture that we just read, James is speaking about, first and foremost, proper posture. Not physical posture, he's speaking about proper spiritual posture. An invisible posture, a posture that has more to do with the state of your heart with the attention of your ears, with the obedience of your hands, rather than the shape of your shoulders. He's speaking about proper posture, biblical posture. He's describing how to properly posture ourselves in accordance to the word of God. It could be said that there is a bad way, an improper way, a negative way to posture ourselves towards God's word that has... Just like physical posture, it has major implications. And there is, on the other hand, there are some incredible benefits. He says, actually, at the end of this verse of Scripture we read, the last thing he says is, this person who postures themselves this way is going to be blessed. There's a blessed life that James is calling us to as new creations in Christ that is directly connected to how we posture ourselves Towards God's word. 
Why is he saying this? Well, do you remember last week? It was this single verse that we looked at where James lays a foundation. This is actually the springboard to the section of scripture we're looking at today. It's verse 18 where James talks about what God has done for us. And what he's done for us according to his own will, he loved us first before we loved him, is he brought us forth. He is a pro-life God who brought us to life through his son, Jesus. But the remarkable thing that we looked at is the way in which he did that. We don't clean ourselves up by God giving us this list of to-dos. Here's how you be a good person and earn God's favor. Here's how you merit the attention of God. The way in which God brings us forth leads us to be born again, to be made new is by his word. We hear what Jesus has done. And then we're born again. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We're saved by grace through faith. Not of ourselves, not of works, lest anyone could boast. He does it through his word. He brings us to life through his word. It's the power of his word. What James is talking about here in verse 18 is the central instrument of God's word. It's the central instrument. We see this all throughout scripture, that God's word, it's the central instrument through which God accomplishes his work. This is how God is. It makes sense, right? Because God is a king. He's the king of the universe. He's a ruler. Now, how do rulers rule? Do they run around the palace getting things done? Hey, you go there, you know. Where do they rule from? From their throne. They rule with their word. They get things done through the power of their word, and there is no word like the word of God. Through which, listen to this, All that is came to be. Talk about the power of God's word. Talk about a central instrument. God goes, I'm going to create the world. And the way, I know I love it about man, right? The Bible says, let us make man in our own image. It seems like I love that God was really involved with his hands in creating man in his image. But prior to that, we, we see that when God was creating the world in his design heavenly studio, whatever heavenly Apple program he had to do this, all he had to do was speak it. Let there be light. That's what God said. And guess what? When God says it, it happens. There was light. He spoke the world into being. It's creation. But James also says it's also salvation. It's through God's word that people are led to be born again. I think of of Lazarus. Remember Lazarus? A great display of every one of us. Lazarus was dead. Everyone was weeping. Everyone was grieving. Because all they saw was hopelessness, because that's all people could see in the face of death apart from Jesus. But Jesus shows up, and Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It doesn't matter how dead things are, nothing is too dead for Jesus to breathe life. Nothing. So Jesus shows up to Lazarus' tomb, and how is it that Lazarus is raised to life? The word of Jesus. He says this, Lazarus, come forth. And you better believe, as dead as Lazarus was, he came out of that tomb. He was raised to life. He was, same word, right? Brought forth. How have we been made new in Christ? Maybe you're here today and you're wondering, man, how do I get right with God? How can I be saved? It's not your work. It's through God's word. It's hearing what Jesus has done. And that word brings us to life. Now, it doesn't end there, right? We understand this as Christians. 
that God's word, it's not just a central instrument that he uses to create the world. It's not just the central instrument that he uses to save our lives. We understand as believers that God's word is the central instrument for all of his work. Today, in our lives, I would argue that the current condition and state of your present relationship with God is directly connected to your relationship with his word. 110%. If you're having trouble hearing God's voice, it could be that you haven't been reading the word. If you're lost and you're confused or you're not sure who God is and what he's like, whatever the case may be, I would argue again that it's the posture of your heart towards God's word that determines your relationship with him today. Jesus talked about this when he was praying to his father, praying for us, his future followers. And one of the things he prayed to his father in John 17, 17, was that God would sanctify us by his truth. Your word is truth. Jesus says, those who are going to believe in me after I pass on, the thing that they're most desperately going to need, like what does the church of Jesus Christ most desperately need in 2019? There's nothing new under the sun. What we desperately need now is what all of humanity has always desperately needed. It's to hear from God. It's God's word. It's why we don't gather here on a Sunday morning to hear Andrew's word. It's Isaiah 55 where God says, My word does not return to me void. When I speak my word, when my word is spoken, it accomplishes the purpose for which it is set out to do. That's what God's word does. God's word works. It works. It's in light of that that we, every Sunday morning, we spend 45 to 50 minutes, depending on how much sleep Andrew got the night before, but... We spend a certain amount of time hearing and studying and reading and learning God's word. We don't have any time for anything else. We're here for God's word. It's that instrument that he uses to bring life. It's the thing through which he wants to accomplish his, his work. Now, that's the foundation. James is describing the power of God's word, the tool of God's word, the instrument of God's word. And the idea is that without God's word, I'm going to be a starving Christian. Without, without time in God's word, without a life that's built on God's word, I'm going to starve. So James, in light of this reality, in light of the central instrument of God's word, he leads us into, as we said, some proper posture. You know, it's not enough to be around God's word. I know this because I grew up in church. I know this because I experienced this still as a believer. I know this because I've seen a lot of people who have come to church their whole life, yet they are far from God. See, it's not just do you go to church and are you around the Bible and do you know the story and can you tell the difference between Noah and Moses? You know, and how many laws and how many disciples? And It's a posture. It's a posture. Um, and, and James gives us three postures. Three postures that will produce in our lives all that God is intending to do with his word. The first posture that we're to have to God's word in order to experience his work is a posture of attentiveness. This is the first thing, a posture of attentiveness. He says in verse 19, now I want to point out that this is a scripture that's often used 
I think, on the horizontal plane, and it should be. Like, this is great relationship, marriage, friendship, human being advice. But verse 19 begins with this phrase, so then. You guys see that? That means it's connected to the previous thought. He's not just out of nowhere going, okay, so, so then. Like, he's not just throwing that out of nowhere. He's speaking about the power of God's word. So then, in light of the miracle, life-changing power of God's word, let every man be swift to hear. Be slow to speak, be slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He's saying be attentive. Now this is, again, it's, it's great relationship advice, right? Um, relationships are built on communication. And good communication is always going to involve and needs to involve listening. The relationships you struggle with the most are probably the relationships where you don't feel, what, heard. So healthy relationships involve speaking and listening. And this is obviously a great principle for life and relationships, right? I love the idea. How should we approach communication and relationships? He says, you should be really quick to say stuff and really slow to listen to what people have to say. And if they're getting on your bad side, jump right into anger. No, the opposite. He says, be really quick to hear. What was it Augustine who said? Seek to understand, not to be understood. You, you got to hear. Be swift to hear and be slow to speak. How many issues in my life, I'm just speaking for me, you're welcome to the club too, but how many issues in my life could be resolved if I was slower to speak? If I just held that back? Like at the end of my life, I know there's going to be things I'm going to look back on and go, Man, I wish I would have said that. But I think <laughs> most of my regrets are going to be like, mm, wish I didn't say that. Wish that didn't come out. Wish I... now, now, this is good relationship advice. It's, it's great horizontal, horizontal practice, man. Husbands, this is, this is helpful. Dwell with your wives with understanding. Be, be, be slower to assume you know what's going on and do the hard work. Pray to listen and understand. Slow to speak, swift to hear. It's been said that, um, by my dad that you have two ears and one mouth for a reason. You should do twice the hearing than you do talking. It's a good point. I, I actually read an interesting commentary where like, some rabbi in, the, in uh, the early church age said, you know, even the way God designed our, the anatomical design of our heads, like our ears are open. God is so gracious that good, at least he gave us closed mouths. Imagine if this thing was always 7-Eleven open for business. Not a good situation. So God gave us this little, date, uh, this little gate and this door called our teeth and our mouth so that actually my tongue can hide behind. You ever had to do that? And you vote your mm, Good thing. You don't have that for your ear unless you put your hand up. But just the way anatomically God has designed us, it's to be those that are openly listening. But again, the way that God designed us that way and the way that this verse is communicating, it's more than just how we relate to each other, it's how we relate to God. See, we're talking about his word. And this is central. Um, the starting point to God's transforming work in your life and my life is this ability to hear from him, to tune in to what he's saying. Now, this comes with, um, I think, a foundational truth. Uh, by, by James saying here, have ears to hear what God is saying, what James is saying is that God is saying something. 
that God is speaking. To say to hear God, but for God to not speak would sort of not make any sense. Uh, the, the simple truth that's all throughout the Bible is that the God who saved us, the God who we worship, the God who made us is not a shy, incommunicative, silent God. He is vocal. He speaks. He communicates. This is some, um, some theologians have said that this is the most, for us as human beings, this is the greatest news about God. Like this is the most valuable you could say, point of theology. It's one thing for God to be who he is. It's a whole other thing for in God's nature to be someone that wants to let us know what he's like so that he communicates, so that we can actually have relationship with him. Come on, you know people in your life that you, like, you're trying to get close to, but you say it's hard and you feel like you can't, and the reason is because every time you're with them, they don't talk. So you always feel like you're pulling teeth. Like, so how is your day? And you're like, what you have to work on is not asking as many yes or no questions, right? So you're like, you're trying to get more open-ended. Like, so tell me your life story. You know, like you're trying to get them, because relationship, it's built on communication. And this is who God is. God so wanted relationship with us as his people that he's a God who communicates. He's a God who speaks. He's a God who reveals himself. Now, we, we see all throughout history, God has been speaking to his creation. Speaking through his creation, even. But how amazing is it that by his spirit, through the prophets, at one point through a donkey, Balaam's pet, God spoke to his people. And this is how God has always been, reaching out through his word to his people. And his word is always meant to save and to rescue and to bring back into relationship. Anytime God has, like if there's a message in your inbox from God, it's a word of invitation. It's always been this word of his grace. There's times where he will pronounce judgment and discipline on his children, but it's because he loves them. So this is God. And then the Bible says this in Hebrews, this great verse. It says this, that God has, throughout history, God has been speaking in so many different kinds of ways. That's what I love about God. I love that God almost knows to how we hear him. So how maybe you hear God speak to you might be different than your Christian friend, right? They, they, they like, God speaks to them through the breeze. They're like, oh, there's the Lord. Confirmation. Confirmation of what? Just the thing I was praying for. What is it? Does it have to do with breezes? You'll never know, you know? <laughs> and others of you, you're like, how do you, is my antenna broken? Now, the Bible says that God speaks in so many. He spoke through the prophets. He speaks through creation. He spoke by those prophets to, to inspire his word. In the Old Testament, and the Bible says this in Hebrews, but in these last days, God has turned up his volume as loud as it could go to speak to us through the person of Jesus. Jesus is the megaphone of God. You want to know what God is like? You want to know what God has to say to you? It's the person of Jesus. Hebrews says that. That's how God speaks to us. And he has inspired his word for us to see and hear Jesus. Here's a question. If God speaks, the question maybe would be how, you know, or how about this one? How do I know that God is speaking to me? Um, and the way that you know is through the Bible. Through God's word, the voice of God gets louder and it gets clearer. Um, see, this is how God speaks to us today. Do we understand this? That, that first and foremost, God has inspired his word. So this is, this is what he has spoken. 
There's no argument. This is what he said. But here's the good news about the Bible. I love this. Hebrews 4, 12, I think it is, right? It says that the word of God is what? It's living. It's active. It's not just a bunch of like um, ancient, historic, dried ink and paper. It's a living document. Because it's the, it's the words of God. It's the spirit of God. So God takes what he's spoken and he speaks it to Solus Church on February 3rd, 2019. We're able to hear from God. God has spoken, but listen, God is still speaking. Do you know that? Do you know that God wants to speak to you? Did you know that God wants to speak to you more than you want to hear him? He wants to speak to you. The question is, are we attentive? Are we listening? It's amazing what God can say to us when we listen. And and I want to encourage you that that attentive place, that space of being swift to hear, to hear God's voice, it's found in God's word. Stop looking for a sign. Start looking for a verse. You with me? Start studying the word of God. His voice will get clearer and it will get louder. He will speak to you. Again, it's why we want to study the Bible here. I don't want to give you man's opinion. We test all things through the word of God. And then someone said, but Andrew, I want to hear God audibly. You can. It's called the audio Bible. Isn't that amazing? Thanks, God. Modern technology. I want to hear the voice of God like Moses. There's an app for that. It's God's word. It's where he speaks to us. Now, I know there's so many different ways that God speaks his word to us, different circumstances. God speaks through circumstances. What I'm talking about here is testing what you are are feeling God say to you. The Bible even gives certain tests, right, of, of these impressions we get. I think this is the Lord. There's great tests. I don't have time to get through all of them. I will just tell you probably the most significant one. Is it consistent with Scripture? I actually had someone who I loved and was close with who um, was committing adultery. And when I confronted him about it, he told me, God told me to. And I could look at him and say, no, he didn't. Why? Because God isn't ambiguous about a lot of things in life. And God's word has been written and inspired so that we could be equipped for everything. For reproof, for correction, or instruction, and righteousness. Look, I am not against the voice of the Holy Spirit. I want you to hear this. We are in desperate need for the voice of the Holy Spirit. Someone say amen. We, we need, like we need those rhema words. We need the spirit to speak into our culture right now, okay? But there's this big movement that's grieving my heart where people are hungering for the voice of the spirit as though the spirit was pitted against God's word. I just want to hear, I got to sit in silence. When the scriptures tell us that we should meditate, for example, as believers, that doesn't mean sit and go hum. It actually means the language of scripture is to, is to think on the word of God. You recite the word of God. And what happens is when you find yourself in situations like Jesus did in temptation, and the enemy's coming to you, and sometimes, here's the hardest part, the enemy will come to you using scripture. 
not only are you able to quote scripture back to him, but you're able to quote the whole counsel of God back to him. That's what Satan does with Jesus. Well, doesn't the Bible say this? And I love what Jesus says, yeah, but there's more to the Bible than that one verse that you're taking out of context. It's the whole counsel of God's word. It's what my desire here is as a church. I want to make sure that what I'm teaching is the whole counsel of God's word. We are, we are going to be left um, empty if all we get is the whole counsel of man's opinion and topics. And so, so it's the word of God. And, and I hope for you by now you get this heartbeat that God is a God who speaks. And the, the question that we're to evaluate in our lives today is this. Um, am I hearing him? Like even right now, I pray that when you come to church on Sunday morning, as I'm reading God's word to you, is there a sense in which right now, hopefully we're going, this isn't Andrew, this is God's word. You know what I'm saying? I'm hearing God. This is, Andrew's got his little jokes in there, okay? We delete those, right? But it's the word of God. Are, are we listening? Uh, where in your life, let me ask you this question. Where are you, in your life are you posturing yourself to hear from God? Where in your day? Like, Jesus would do this, wouldn't he? He would withdraw. Such a necessary thing. We're afraid of silence sometimes because we have so many great outlets to have noise and distraction. It's like, but did you hear about the new headline? Yeah, but did you hear about the newest headline? Yeah. Love news more. Like, we can just sit there in the country. Ah! And I'm like, you guys, I look online, I'm like, do you listen to Jesus as much as you listen to Fox News? Or whatever your talking head is. I don't mean to pick on one news station. CNN, ABC, NBC, okay, like, you know, apolitical. All right. Um, do you get what I'm saying? Like, there, there's a great story in 1 Samuel 3. I love this story. It's, it's a story of, of Samuel when he was just a young boy in the temple. You guys know this story? And, and it was a time where Samuel was unfamiliar with God's voice. And so Samuel's hanging out, and all of a sudden Samuel hears this. He hears Samuel Samuel, here's his name called. Samuel does what all of us would do if we heard someone call us name, our, our name. We would think about who is the closest human being to me. Otherwise, I'd feel crazy. I'm hearing voices. So, so, so he runs, the Bible says, to Eli, the priest. And he says, hey, Eli, you called me. He goes, no, I didn't. Two more times this happens. The third time that Samuel comes to Eli, the Bible says that Eli perceived, oh, wait a minute, God's calling you. So here's what he tells Eli. I love this. What a, great, what a great posture. He says, next time you hear God speak to you, here's what you're to respond with. Say this. Say, speak, Lord. I'm listening. Your servant hears. Question is, where in your day, where in your life are you saying, speak to me, God? Speak, Lord. Your servant hears. God, as I open your word, it's not just a textbook for me to be academized and, and know all this information. Like, I hope when you open up the word of God every day that you are first and foremost praying this. God, speak to me through your word. And sometimes, here's a great principle. Here's what I do. Sometimes if I'm struggling with this, what I'll do is I'll just read until I get that moment. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I just got to read and I go, yep, that was for me. Sometimes it's a whole book. Good. You just read a whole Bible book. That's not, that's not going to hurt you. And so this is, this is the posture, attentiveness. Now, James goes on to say this. You also need to have a posture of receptiveness. He says, you say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. But notice the next thing he says. Therefore, in light of this, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness 
the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The implanted word. So, so James goes from talking about God's word as almost this voice to be heard and tuned into that speaks through God's word. And now James is talking about God's word as a seed that's planted. Where do you think he got this from? His big brother, didn't he? It was James's older half-brother, Jesus, who taught a parable about a farmer who is an illustration of somebody preaching or proclaiming the word of God. And he says that this farmer goes out with, metaphorically, the word of God, and he sows these seeds. He plants the seeds of God's word. That's all a farmer can do. A farmer can't change a human heart. I realize that. There's a lot of weight that's like on me in preaching God's word. There's also a weight that's off me that knows that all, all I am at the end of the day is just like a farmer. Just like That's pretty much every Sunday morning. Hey, guys. And I pray. I'm like, God, bring an increase. That's what we pray. Lord, I pray that the seed that's planted, that you, sometimes it takes time, too. You've got you to trust God with that process. There's somebody in your life, you've been planting seeds their whole life. Do not grow weary in doing good. In due season, there will be a harvest. As God brings someone else, the best is when you've been sowing seeds for like 20 years, and then one person comes along in one day, and they just water the seed with love. And they're like, I'm a Christian now. I'm like, All right, I guess I could. I mean, I need them to do my part, but one year? Okay, so that's... <laughs> So, so that, that's the, the language Jesus talks about this. Now, one of the things he talks about in this parable is that as the farmer sows the seeds, he controls what he sows, but he doesn't control the fruit because he doesn't control the soil. And he describes these different soils, the different conditions of the heart. Some of the hearts, well, they're like, they're like stony ground. And when the seed gets sown, immediately Satan comes and snatches it like a bird taking the seed. Some of you have been coming to Solace for months, and this is what happens every Sunday morning. God's word is sown because maybe there's sin in your life on your heart that would cause you to have to repent and change. You reject it. The another kind of soil he describes is a soil that, you know, it's not stone, but it's not, it doesn't have any depth of earth. So it's planted, but there's, there's no community there's, there's no discipleship, there's no support, so the seed, it, it just goes for a little bit, it, it, and, it, and it produces some fruit, but then it, it dies, it withers from the scorching heat of the sun, picture of trials. And, and he goes on to describe these different soils of the heart, these different responses to God's word, these different postures. And James is, is certainly reflecting on the last soil that Jesus talked about. It's the soil of a heart that says, God... What I need in my life is not my will. What I most desperately need in my life is your will. Because it's the only thing that's good and pleasing and lasting. God, it's only your word that's going to endure forever. All flesh is uh, The opinions of man are going to fade away. It's the word of God that's going to endure forever. So, Lord, here's my heart. I want to, I love this, receive with meekness. The implanted word which is able to save your souls. Maybe you go, right now I'm lost. How can I be saved? Come underneath the word of God. Receive the word of God. Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. In fact, this idea, this word receive, it literally means, literally means, I didn't even think about this, but the connection there is amazing. The word receive in the Greek means to welcome God's word like a guest into your home. Okay, Lord. All right, this is your will for my relationship with my boyfriend, with my girlfriend. Okay, God, this is your will for my finances. God, this is your will for my involvement in a local church. God, this is your will for my purity. God, this is your will for how I spend my money. 
and I receive it. That's where transformation begins to happen. We receive God's word. We receive God's word. Um, you know, Mary's a great example of this. When the angel came to her and, and told her something that was really hard to hear. Hey, you're going to get pregnant, not from your husband, and you're not married yet, and it may look bad. Now, most of us, like Mary, when we have situations like that in our life, what we do is we say, okay, God, that's, I see where you're going with this, and I like it. However, I think I know a little better. I think, I think this is how it should be done. This takes us back to the Garden of Eden, right? Where did sin come from? It came from this question. Did God indeed say that? And we say this, yeah, he said, oh, okay, now here's the new version. But did he mean that? Did he really mean that? I mean, did he really mean don't have sex until you're married? Is that really what that Greek word means when you break it down, split it up, chop it up, play Fruit Ninja with it? Like, is that, <laughs> is that really what he meant? Is that really what he means about generosity and giving? Is that really what he I know it's what he says, but come on, it's 2019. Is that what he means? Remember Mary's posture as, as this word is being spoken to her. I love this. She says, let it be to me according to your word. Jesus said, God, not my will, but your will be done. That it would be fulfilled. That your word would be fulfilled. We need to receive God's word. Humbly. I think that's important. It says there with meekness. Meekness. It's humility. Um, you know, for the sake of... The Super Bowl, I'll use a football analogy. Um, we're called to be wide receivers of God's word, not cornerbacks, okay? Or, or you know, we intercept and we go, okay, here's really what, you know, I think it means. And, and so even here at Solace Church, we have this core value that says that we hold the scriptures high, that we are not God's editors. Let me, let me come over. Here's, we come underneath God's word. And I just want to say a quick word about that just when it comes to Sunday morning. Like, maybe, maybe this could apply to how we receive the word on Sunday morning. Um, I think there's a, there's, a, there's a right way to hear a sermon. There's a wrong way to hear a sermon. Um, you know, a lot of us, we treat church like the Super Bowl, where if the pastor is the quarterback preaching the sermon. We're kind of like, we're the spectators. We're like, oh, no, uh, it was all right. He did okay. Completed like 12 verses, uh, pretty good percentage. Um, was he, how many jokes? Uh, about six. You know, it was good you laugh? I laughed. Was it entertaining? A blast. And that's not, listen, that's not what we're doing here. We know that, right? We know that being a part of the church of God is not a spectator sport. We're, we're in the game. And so when, even when we come to church, I, I think we could be more active in how we receive God's word. This isn't you making me feel good because you're paying attention to all the time I put into my sermon. I don't care about that. What I care about is God's will coming to pass in your life. And that's going to only come through actively receiving, through receiving. receiving. Receiving even a message is an active thing. It's not a passive thing. It's not, oh. So there are even like some tools, you know, like for me it's, it's journaling or, or taking notes. Like taking notes, it engages my mind to actively receive what God is speaking to me. Um, here's one that a lot of us are afraid of because we grew up in churches where like, you, did, you had a you posh, good posture churches. And so in some of those posture churches, you're like, wow, that was God's word. 
And I feel like what I should say right now is amen. But I don't, I don't want to scare anybody, you know. <laughs> amen. <laughs> um, you know, the scriptures tell us in 1 Corinthians 14, the Bible says, let those who occupy the space of the Lord say amen. That was a biblical, amen, right? It's a, you know, it's a biblical thing to be in church and go, that's God's word. Amen. Not. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? I mean, it's receiving good news. Amen? Amen. Hey, let's close out with this last heartbeat here. It's a posture of responsiveness. A posture of responsiveness. The word of God has to be heard. It's not enough to hear God's voice, though. There's a sense in which we've got to humbly come underneath God's word and receive his word and trust that God knows better than I do. So I humbly receive, as hard as it may be. I say, let it be to me according to your word. But that good reception to be in tune with what God is saying has a third step to it. James says it's important that as you hear and as you receive, he says that you also, verse 22, need to be doers of the word. And not hearers only, deceiving yourselves, right? It's a posture of responsiveness. It's God, I'm here to respond to you. That's why, that, that's why I'm in your word. I'm not here. The Bible is not merely a, a book of, of academics and education. It's good to study to show yourself approved. It's good to rightly divide the word of truth. We've talked about that. But the purpose of God in speaking his word to us was not just to make us smarter to know principles about life, but it's actually to transform our lives. As we submit to it, as we obey what he says to us. I mean, back to the football. The point of the play on the sidelines is to run it on the fields, right? That's what Sunday is. If anything, let me, you know, I'm your Bill Belichick. And I'm here to say, this is God's word. This is his will for our church. This is his will for our lives. Isn't it amazing? Amen. It's amazing. And so we, we, we come to, into God's house and we hear God's word. But it's not merely a – imagine if that's, you know, what the football team said. They heard the play. Oh, great. That's a that, – did you hear that play today? I hope they recorded it. That was a great play. And then they go out in the field and they're, like, talking to their teammates. What's going on? How you doing? What's up? Shot clock's running out. No, of course not. What you're going to do, you're not going to let that game clock – expire you're going to run the play that's why we get into God's house these are our instructions for life to walk out in our relationship with Jesus notice what he says though when we come into God's house or when we hear God's word when we receive God's word but we don't put obedience we don't we don't put feet to our faith we don't respond to what God has said to us he says it's like being a man notice this who observes his natural face in a mirror he observes himself, and he goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. This morning, you woke up, and from the looks of it, you looked in the mirror this morning. I would wager that most, if not all of you, did something after you looked in the mirror. You're like, I got to brush those. I got to do that hair. I get the crust out the eyes. I plucked my unibrow this morning, just some, just some uh, TMI for you. <laughs> but you know, the, 
you observed, you reflected, you went, oh. And sometimes it's like, oh, right, first thing in the morning. It was a rough one last night. We got three kids, so sometimes in the morning it's like, oh, is that a mirror? What's wrong with that mirror? Oh, it's me. Okay. Um, and, and you observe, you, you reflect. And then what you do is you make the necessary adjust, adjustments. You go, okay, this is what needs to change. That's what a relationship with God is. That's the purpose of God's word. God's word, a lot of us treat God's word like a magnifying glass, not like a mirror. We treat it like this thing, i got to see through it, to know more, to get here, to get smarter. Jesus said this about the Pharisees. He said, you search the scriptures. The whole time you're missing the point of the scriptures. They exist to reflect someone. The purpose of our relationship with God, the purpose of our time with God's word is not just to know more, but it's to see Jesus. It's to behold, 2 Corinthians says, to behold as in a mirror the glory of God. And and here's what happens. When I see Jesus, I see me. When I see who God is, I see who I'm not. And he's so gracious in that he gives us, by his grace, through his spirit, we we see his word. And when Jesus is is spoken to us, it's like a mirror. And we go, okay, that's where I am in life. This happens to me all the time because I'm always in the business of justifying why I'm not loving someone. You ever done this? Oh, yeah. I know I'm supposed to love them, but, like, God's mad at them, so I'll be mad too. You know, it's, I kind of take the side of God. And then I read verses in 1 John, like, he who says he knows God but does not love does not know God. And you know what that is for me? That's not like a, hey, look what I know. That's like a, uh, ouch. Like, I see where I'm at. And this is what God begins to do is he begins to transform us. That's what Paul says, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. But we all, through the grace of Jesus, we come before God with an unveiled face, no hiding. And he invites us through his word to behold as in a mirror the glory of God. And this work he does by his spirit is he transforms our lives into the same image from glory to glory. Just day to day, transforming our lives. And he gives us his word, not as a textbook of education for information, but as a mirror of revelation for transformation. To change our lives. To make us look more and more like him. So let me ask you today, as you behold as in the mirror the glory of God, as you look into the mirror of God's word, what's God showing you? Where is the grace of Jesus lovingly touching? Like what area is he going, hey, this? As you hear, the best thing for your life and my life would be to go like this. Okay, Lord, I'm going to do it. Let it be to me according to your word, not my will, your will be done. God, give us hearts that posture ourselves properly, that we might experience all that you intend through your word. Thanks again for tuning in. We pray that you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like to visit us in person, we gather at Don Estridge High Tech Middle School in Boca Raton, Florida, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more sermon content and information, you can check out solaschurch.com.